Good to go. We get the power circle. I'm ready to go. What's the power <laughs> circle? I what? don't know. Isn't that like something theater people do? Oh, you mean like a warm up? Right. But like we all get in the circle and yeah, that you know. is something that we do. <laughs> hey. I get hiccups. I'm just saying it happens. Welcome to Prefer Not To Weekly Sometime Cocktail Hour with your hosts Josh and Kate. You cut me off. Welcome to Prefer Not To, a weekly sometime cocktail hour. Always cocktail hour. With your hosts, Josh and Kate. I am not Kate, as always. And I'm not Josh. Every week, Kate and I have a cocktail, talk a little bit about the history of that cocktail, render a verdict on that cocktail, move on to talking about movies and culture, give you a couple of recommendations, and send you on your way, all in less than an hour. Mm-hmm. How are things, Kate? Uh, things are thingin'. And what are we drinking this week? <laughs> We're having whiskey sours this what week. What does thingin' mean? You know, like, I, I don't I don't know, you know, like, I have fingers, but I've never seen them thing. That's true. I, I don't know. Just, you can add an ing onto almost any object, and it sounds like you're doing something. That's true. Phoning. We may actually see things thing. We found some, like, weird expired drugs in our luggage. <laughs> In my luggage, or was that it was yours? weird. Like this was. This is really weird. I don't know whose luggage it was. We didn't know whose drugs they were. We had to what? look it up. They're like a painkiller. What bag was it in? Though? It was that. It was a. It was one of those nondescript blue canvas suitcases. You have one. I have one. Laura. No, has one. no. I have. A, I had. I do not buy luggage that is blue. So. But it was dark blue. Well, <sighs> but it had your shit in it. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, but you packed up a good portion of my shit at your apartment when okay. we moved. It had, like, your naughties, like, your little polka dot naughties and, uh... The fuck? And, like, a keyboard and some, like, fuzzy socks. Are you talking about the black one that's at the foot of your bed? Yeah, it was at the foot of my bed. Oh, okay. Well, then, that's yeah. Navy that blue. was It's black. Okay, whatever. It also had some menthol cigarettes in it. Now they didn't know Those, you smoked menthols. I do not. I don't smoke. Those are my roommates. I'm pretty sure. Okay. I mean, you could tell me if you smoked menthols. I don't smoke menthols. I can tell you that I did go into that your room and mm-hmm. open that suitcase looking for my white dress because I knew it was in there. And it was. And that's the last time I've heard of it. Okay. You know, when I was a kid, they used to, that was a big popular urban legend about menthols was that they had actually had fiberglass in them. And that was why they tasted so minty. And menthols will kill you because they have fiberglass in them. Well... First of all, I would not be surprised if they actually did have fiberglass oh, in them would. back they in the don't. day. And two, I don't smoke menthols. If I do smoke, I'm not going to be so déclassé as to smoke menthols. First of all, you've clearly never been alive with pleasure. What? That's the Newport slip. Oh, okay. Okay. So anyways, we're drinking whiskey sours. Tell yes. me about a bit. Tell me about the whiskey sour. So, uh, a whiskey sour consists of two parts whiskey. It's usually scotch or bourbon, although for this instance we're using Irish whiskey. Um, one part lemon juice and one teaspoon of muddled or powdered sugar. We chose muddled because I wanted to break in my new muddler that I got from my brother for Christmas. Thank you, Scott. Let me interject by saying, standard disclaimer, Kate and I will probably mangle your favorite drink. Live with it. That's the internet. Also, new standard disclaimer, alcoholism is a serious disease. So please, if you believe you have a drinking problem, you can still enjoy our show. You don't have to have a drink. So continue, Kate. All ingredients are combined in a shiker with a shiker. Jesus. Wasn't he like a captain on one of the Enterprises? No. So all of the ingredients are uh, combined in a shaker with ice and served in a chilled glass along with maraschino cherries, lemon wedge, or an orange slice, depending on what your pleasure is. Sometimes all three, sometimes neither, sometimes whatever. If you add an egg white to this concoction, it becomes a Boston sour. And uh, if you add grenadine, it's called a Ward 8. So... I don't... Just, you were unable to find what Ward 8 referred to, right? I didn't look too heavily into it. 
Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that whiskey sours are part of a larger family of cocktails, the sour. The whiskeys. The sour, which we talked about on our last podcast with the white lady. It is uh, part of a, a larger family that involves lemon juice or lime juice, a sweetener, and a liquor of choice, whether it be brandy, tequila, gin, etc. I really have a problem saying tequila. You, you do. that? You do. It only happens since this podcast. What you know, I once, have I told you this? I once covered a graduation when I was back when I was employable. It was a high school graduation. You know, and you always pick out the unusual names. There was a girl named Tequila. Hmm. Which I, I can only assume that her creation was a wondrous event. So um, this drink dates from the 1870s. It was first described in Professor Jerry Thomas's Bon Vivant Companion, which we have talked about Have we determined what he's a professor of? A mixology. From Yale? Yes. Okay. Uh, in 1862, uh, it's generally or has been generally considered de classe. My best guess is that it was involved in a lot of heavy advertising in the 50s and 60s, so it probably seemed more de classe. I mean, Jack Palance had uh, an ad that he ran for whiskey sour mix. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's part of it, but it'll let you do more push ups. I don't know. <laughs> it's relatively easy to make, isn't it? Like, I mean... Yeah, it's it's one of these cocktails that's barely a cocktail. Which is why I don't understand why there's mix to begin with. Well, yeah, this is something we've hit a number of times. We yeah, I know. We hit it with margaritas, we hit it with da- uh, daiquiris, we hit it with Long Island, I mean, with uh, with Tom Collins's. No reason to make a mix for these people. Seriously. It's lemon juice and sugar. What, 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 uh, you know. And booze, yeah. Yeah. You know, we enjoying whiskey sours? Well, what do you think? I think they're very tart. Uh, yes. W- w- I use a little bit more sugar than the standard recipe, which I yes. think helps it. But uh, Well, I think they're tart, but that's the whole thing with the sours. Is it's tart, but then as you swallow it, it becomes sweet. And again, I think the line between hot toddy and whiskey sour is really just one of temperature. <laughs> There's no sugar in the hot toddy. Yeah, there is. There's is honey. It? You put honey well, in the Well, that's honey. It's not like sugar. Six of one half dozen of the other. All right. Ask a bee. All right. You know, it's sugar at one end. And it's honey at the other. You know, if bees spoke English, I would definitely ask them. But they don't. So, here we are. If bees spoke English, I would ask them, please, not to sting me. Mm. Please. Because I don't think they understand that they're going to die. So I feel like I would be helping the bee. That's only one type of bee. Fine. You you win. You're smarter than me. Have I ever told you about the time my dad... I don't know. Tell me something else where I'm wrong. Okay, never mind. What did your dad do that was awesome and smarter than It wasn't awesome or smart. He got stung by yellow jackets repeatedly Mm -hmm. trying to uh, destroy their nest. And then the funny thing is, is that after that instance, which he had a lot of pain and a lot of stings from, he tried to go back and destroy them and just got stung all over again. And that was the funny part. Yeah, and to me, that is an argument for bee stings selectively just being lethal. Because if he goes back, those genes need to... No offense, because I I like having those genes around in the form of you. No, I know. My point was just that it was funny that he actually tried to go back and defeat the bees once more and then ended up just Mm -hmm. as dumb as the first time. And then I had a laugh in his face. My own house where we had... um, where I had like a lawn. This was again back when I was employable. We had a, in the back, we had about, it was about four acres altogether. Mm-hmm. And the back was about an acre, half an acre. Mm-hmm. And uh, we made a croquet lawn out there. Um, it, what's so funny about a croquet lawn? Nothing. And you know how in croquet lawn, uh, you have the, the stakes in the middle. So you have to go out to the, it's like a figure eight, right? I've never played croquet in my life. That's because you're uncivilized. 
Actually, Crocane is awesome. It's like the biggest douchebag game ever. It's yeah, like, we should put on our pith helmets from our gin podcast. No, I'm serious. Like, people who play Crocane, like, cro- like, people who play Call of Duty have nothing on uh, people who play Crocane. Cro- Crocane people are just assholes. First of all, you know it's not French. It's it's Irish. That's what I'm saying. We should put on our pith helmets and our all white outfits saying, like, and go out and think because it has things. that K-Q-U-E-T that it's, it's French. It's not French in any way. It's, it's, I believe the origin is uh, Irish. There was a game called Crookie. But anyhow, so we had a, a croquet lawn in the backyard, like almost full regulation size croquet lawn. Uh, we were very proud of this. Wow, you guys are really white. Yes, I am. Be that as it may. Mm-hmm. So, but the thing was, uh, there was a yellow jacket burrow right at the middle of the figure eight. Did you discover this before or after? <laughs> well, we discovered the precise location of it after During. we had after we had laid it out. But the point was, hey, it was like an extra. It was like an extra obstacle. Oh no! On the course, no. was this really, really uh, vicious yellow jacket uh, burrow on the lawn? So, when did did you give a time period when the whiskey sour? came from? Uh, it was initially published in uh, 1862 in uh, mm-hmm. Jerry Thomas's uh, right. thing. It's also mentioned in a Wisconsin newspaper article in 1870. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like one of those drinks where uh, in terms of the sour, it's a type of cocktail. And so the whiskey sour is kind of a moot point because, you know, any kind of sour could be there. But I guess the recipe for a whiskey sour first appeared in Jeremy Thomas's book. Um, but, you know, it's like calling something a, uh, you know, a gin fizz. It's like, where the fuck did a gin fizz come from? It's just it's a gin, gin and it's fizzy. fizz. So, right. yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, where does wet fart come from? Exactly. Right. So, you want to do movies? You want to talk about your dreams? What do you want to get up to? Oh, we can talk about my dreams. I don't know. Okay. Have you been having any dreams lately? Oh, I've been having a ton of crazy dreams. Oh, right. You, oh, you mentioned this yesterday. Yeah. Are you okay talking about it? You've been having, like, sexy dreams. Which sexy dream did I tell you about? Well, you told me you'd had several sexy dreams recently. Yeah, I have had several sexy dreams recently. Uh, the dream I was going to talk about was the uh, the one where I was dreaming about how tired I was, so I went mm-hmm. back to sleep and kept dreaming. Yeah, that is the worst dream ever, if you're dreaming about how tired you are, because that is functionally identical to being awake while you have that dream. Right, it was if like you're a- dreaming that you are very tired... That's exactly what you would be if you were awake. It was like one of the weirdest lucid dreams I've ever had mm-hmm. was the fact that I was dreaming that I was trying to wake up in my own room and then my body was like, no, go back to sleep. It's very strange. I've never experienced something like that before. You know what that is? That's like a, like the, the communist era knockoff dream of a dream. Like, you know how back in, in the communist days, like, they'd try to build VCRs and watches, and they would always be these terribly pedestrian, uninspired, clunky I affairs? I was only I alive for, like, a year Whatever. of the Civil War. My point is, War. commie knockoffs were awful, and they were they were bland and boring. It's like the, the, the commie knockoff of an awesome dream. And how did we go from sexy dreams to talking about the most boring dream ever? I don't know. Uh, the sexiest dream I've had recently was just, uh, it was like a Let weird... me guess. Wait, hold on, hold on. So we've got to, it's got to have an effete British person. Mm-hmm. In it, mm-hmm. uh, don't don't guess? don't give me guesses until I until I figure it out. Okay, um, let's see. Michael Sheen. No. Uh, King George the <laughs> Fourth. No. Uh, Watson or Crick? I forget which one. Jim Watson was American, so Crick. No, no. Uh, Trick question. This one did not involve any feet British men. 
Well, maybe that's the trick. Maybe that's why you're having trouble, you know, getting some action is that you your your waking mind believes that you need British people, but then your dream is like, no, I don't. So what was going on? I think on? it would be the opposite because my, my waking mind is like, hey, boys. And then, like, my sleeping mind is like, yay, Gary Oldman, mm-hmm. Ramsey, yay, Prince. Well, Prince isn't British, but, you know. But he's royalty, so. <laughs> Pretty much. This one was just a weird, like, half dream kind of strangeness about like it was like Ender's Game like I was involved in like an Ender's Game um, slash Olympics type competition slash selection mm-hmm. kind of process there was a particularly uh, handsome boy that I was uh, assigned not assigned to but we were on the same team and we had to mm-hmm. compete together and it also reminded me of you know in um, World of Warcraft you know like when you go to Forbidden not Forbidden Isle but the Timeless Isle when we have to do like all of those trials that I I completely suck at, you know, like the jumping puzzles and stuff. Is this is this a video game? You know, World of Warcraft. No. You know what I'm talking about. Is this a video game? Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, anyways, it reminded me of a level and World of War not a level, but a zone in World of Warcraft where you have to do a lot of jumping puzzles and there's a lot of things like that you have to combine together that I completely suck at. That was the sexy dream. Was you were dreaming about World of Warcraft? No, that's not what I said. I said I was dreaming about this weird, like, alternative, futuristic version of kind of an intergame situation where you've got a lot of wonderkins together and they're trying to, like, work together towards a common goal. And then there was one who was particularly sexy that was on my team and we had to, like, wrestle. Except we weren't wrestling. I don't know. Dreams are weird. Okay, you want to talk about our movies? Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Every week, Kate and I allow random.org to put a, pick a number between 0 and 25 and then we watched the movies that were number one in America during that week in our lives. Yep. So this week we rolled zero. So it was a spoiler. Neither of us was actually alive during the year. Oh, wait. That's next that's, week we did zero. next week, yeah. This week we rolled, what was it? 2008. 10? No, 20. 20. 20. Yeah. Right. Because mine would have been 1993's Mine was 2008. Aladdin, yeah. And yours was 2008's Cloverfield. Cloverfield. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Okay. So uh, Aladdin is the third movie in the Disney Renaissance that started with The Little Mermaid and Mm -hmm. then Beauty and the Beast. It's the final movie that features songs written by the powerhouse songwriting duo of Howard Ashman and Alan Menken. There are a few songs by the two of them, but Ashman uh, died of AIDS-related complications before the movie's production started. Lyric writing duties were then taken over by uh, stagecraft master Tim Rice, who you may know from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat and any number of other pageants of the stage. It's a very loose retelling of the story from uh, 1001 Arabian Nights about the young boy in a Middle Eastern setting who, through the power of a genie's lamp, becomes a prince. So this was like a formative movie of your childhood, wasn't Pretty it? Pretty much, yeah. What do you remember about this movie as a child? I can't tell you when I first saw the movie. I can only tell you that I was obsessed with it, if that mm-hmm. makes any sense. Like, I had, I had Aladdin-themed sheets Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, I had a uh, stuffed Raja tiger that I slept with until probably as long as I can remember, probably until I was like 15. Mm-hmm. I was Princess Jasmine that year for Halloween. I had Aladdin like yeah, pop But it was just books. like a parade of Jasmines that year. Like everywhere it was Jasmine. Probably. I mean, I had a I had 
pop-up books. I had dolls. I had a uh, I had a, a Barbie deluxe set for Christmas that year that was uh, an Aladdin and a Jasmine, and then the uh, it came with a, a magic carpet that was supposed to play a whole new world when you mm-hmm. hit the button on the bottom, except mine never did because it was broken and my parents never got it fixed. I mean, this is a formative movie mm-hmm. in my childhood. Like, I I just I had. Not okay. everything, but, like, you know, it was, like, primo. Like, I imagine this is how you were with Star Wars and it came to, like, merchandise. You know, like, it was just, like, you My had to have everything. My let me have a lot of merchandise. It was, it was again, it was, it's, it's that boomer generation sort of thing where they really did not want me to buy a lot of toys related to things. So I basically got one or two a year at Christmas or my birthday. I just specifically remember this pop-up book of Aladdin and the main pop-up page was the Cave of Wonders that popped up and it was like a giant you know, the tiger mm-hmm. and you could So this is a movie that you enjoyed? Yes, I mean I fucking love this movie. Okay, good. I mean to me it was just, it was sort of the start of the, the quality leeching away a little bit from the Disney Renaissance. I still think it's a good movie, but it's not up to the level of the two ones before it of Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and I thought that the and you and I were talking about this, that this, the computer compositing that they did for yeah. some of the ba- background scenes and stuff de- did not date very well. It doesn't, no. There's one that uh, he's flying out of a cave, and it really just looks like one of those colonoscopy videos. <laughs> like It's really sort of cheesy looking. And I think it comes from they didn't have the technology at the time to integrate right. hand-drawn animation with computer stuff. If you look at something like Toy Story, which is only a couple of years later, right? The original one. 1995, I think. Right. But it's all computer, and it, all, it has a very clear art sensibility that I think allows it to have a sort of timeless quality. Whereas when you watch Aladdin, it's still a great movie. I still enjoy it very much. Yeah. But the stuff that is done with that rudimentary computer stuff really, really jumps out. Well, even the movies that come after it, like The Lion King is the next one, and then Hunchback of Notre Dame, they both have a lot of computer-generated mm-hmm. scenes, like crowd scenes in uh, Paris and Hunchback, and then also in The Lion King, like the wildebeest stampede <sighs> scene is computer-generated, but they blend so much better. Right. So I don't know if it was just the I think they were trying scenery. some things out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't think that worked. That, that was one of the things that stood out. The other thing that stood out to me is how, how much they changed the original story. I mean, the original story is not a love story. It's essentially just a straight-up adventure story mm. about a guy finds a lamp who becomes rich and then has his rich riches stolen from him and then through adventures gains his stuff back. And I think, you know, in another age, I mean, that movie did get made in another age. I mean, they made The Thief of Baghdad, which isn't the same story, but is right. the same sort of thing. But I think fitting this story into that Disney shoehorn... Right. Also sort of seemed a little bit... I mean, you could tell this had the feel of movie by committee, whereas I think Beauty and the Beast and The Little Mermaid had much more of an authorial sensibility to them. You can disagree. I'm just going to say, as a point, playing devil's advocate here, that Disney movies in general, they take a general story and make it more romantic and Disney-fied, whereas like something like uh, you know Cinderella, the stepsisters don't end up with their feet their feet right. chopped off and then um, <laughs> and there's no lentils exactly and you know um, even the little mermaid like you know that's not a that's not a good no, story she ends up like pining right. away after the prince it's a horribly retrograde story exactly it's not that I I'm, think I'm not complaining that they adapted the source material I just think that those first two had more of an authorial sensibility to them I don't know why I just the, the Aladdin seemed a little more pastiche of elements Okay. I could be wrong. All right. You know, it has a good villain who's very fun to watch. Um, also, probably responsible for my love of a feet 
jer- uh, and, you British know, men. It, it's a credit to this movie lie. that I have not mentioned Robin Williams yet, who is a huge portion of this movie and uh, who I still find <laughs> hugely tedious. But the movie is good ugh, despite him. Um, you know, whatever. I guess that's the kind of thing that works better for children, so I shouldn't complain. It's a it's a fucking kids movie. I don't think you know. that he's that bad in this movie. Like he's Robin Williams, but he's not insufferable. It's not like he's carrying the entire picture, say like with Jack or Mrs. Stoutfire or you know, <laughs> Good Morning Vietnam. Fair enough. Speaking <laughs> of which, yes, that will be our movie for now. So your movie was. Cloverfield. 2008's Cloverfield, a movie that neither of us had seen, in fact. True, which is very rare between the two of mm-hmm. us. So, uh, Cloverfield's from 2008, and it stars uh, Michael Stahl David, Lizzie Kaplan, Jessica Lucas, and TJ Miller, among others. So, the plot of the film revolves on friends re- uh, attending a going away party for Rob, who is played by uh, Michael Stahl David, during, during which a mysterious monster attack happens in New York City. It's also a, it's a found footage film. In the I think you mean New York City. New New York City is where Papa Troll lives. Um, it's a found footage film in the tradition of like the Blair Witch Project or Paranormal Activity, and uh, much like those, it kind of suffers from the same pluses and minuses. You know, the films are short. Thank God, not to decry the actual films, but thank God someone made a major motion picture that is like an hour and 30 minutes long. Um, I mean, they're compact, they feature tight and engaging storytelling, but, you know, the filming style itself tends to run its course rather quickly, I found. You know, like, it even in the even in a monster movie where, you know, like a giant Cthulhu thing is attacking New York City, mm-hmm. at some point you have to kind of ask yourself, why is anyone still filming the camera this far into a monster attack? Right. Like, even if the main character or even if the person holding the camera is a douchebag is like, I want to document this later for posterity, mm-hmm. you have to wonder why no character was written into the script who would turn around and say, yo, Josh, turn off the goddamn camera. There's a monster attacking New York City. Right, or why they right. needed to get why they needed to get hours of footage as opposed to just like two or three minutes. When you or I use our little phone camera phones, we're taking like 30 seconds at a time. That's a problem with the whole found footage genre. Exactly. It's, yeah. it, it has a big credibility gap to get over. Um, so, um, unlike most other of J.J. Abrams' projects, I actually enjoyed this movie. I think the and by first... the way, he neither wrote nor directed this movie. Yeah, his stink is all over the movie. The first 15 minutes were probably a little tiresome just because it spent probably way too much time on exposition, don't you think? Yeah. I, I, it was a short movie that I would have been fine having having had it been shorter. Yeah, um, but once it got started and going, it was fairly predictable, as most of... Uh, well, you, didn't, you didn't think it was going to... I mean, you know, some of the beats, like when they went into the tunnel, it was obvious that the little, the little zerglings, zerglings were going to get yeah. them. But and when I say predictable, I mean like I knew where it was going to end up mm-hmm. from the beginning scene. I was like, oh well, he and this chick are going to end up. Well, in you know, but you didn't thing. know who was going to die because you were consistently predicting the wrong people would die. That's not what I mean by predictability. I'm no. saying like with Lost. I knew that they were going to end up in purgatory. With this movie, I knew they were going to end up on Coney Island in some kind of schmaltzy, like cute little thing together. Okay. Um, I guess I had a problem with the predictability of the film's ending. I've also, I mean, I have a problem with J.J. Abrams in general, but we've talked about that before. I mean, also, I guess I just wanted to comment on the fact that the monster basically, like, this weird mixture of Godzilla and, like, Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. This weird Lovecraftian kind it of monster. It sounds like you didn't like it, but I thought you liked it. I did. I just, it. I did like it. I'm just saying the monster was, like, a little predictable. Did you not think that? No, like, I didn't think it was at all. It had, like, four legs and was sort of weirdly articulated and had uh, little spawns that it spawned off of it. Yeah, the, yeah, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, it, 
you know, monster arising from the deep. Or I, right. I was just pointing out yes. that the monster in general, as mysterious as they tried to make it seem, was not that different when you finally saw what it was doing. Well, I think, you know, I think, and they wisely didn't show you much of it. I mean, that was... I agree. You know, it was the Jaws rule. Everybody's talked about it with this movie, yeah. that they didn't show very much of the monster until the very end, which I think is, is wise because, you know, even if it was an incredibly innovative look, it would have become tiresome if they'd showed it too much. I liked the movie. I... You know, I find found footage to be pretty tedious, and I found the actors to be sort of interchangeable and dull, except for Lizzie Kaplan, who was always wonderful. And, yep. But um, I liked that it was restrained. You know, it's we've talked about this a lot about, and this isn't a horror movie, this is sort of a monster movie, but it's the same, it's the new restraint with horror movies where it's going much more for atmosphere and this, in the in the sense of monster movies, going more for atmosphere. This I had that, great atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And I thought it worked, you know, the structure of the narrative was, which I think is what you were getting at, was pretty standard. It's a standard escape movie. But I didn't think it was predictable in terms of the things that they were going to do. I didn't see him break. I didn't see them going back for their friend, for one thing. No, I didn't either. And it wasn't easy to predict who was going to who was going to live. So I, I, I quite enjoyed it. It didn't wear out its welcome. It was 85 minutes and it could have been about five minutes shorter and I would have been fine and... Even though it was found footage, I I was fine with that. I mean, I don't think it needs to be done again or six different ways, which I'm sure a la paranormal activity we will get. But I have no problems. I was I was pleasantly surprised by Cloverfield. Although it, again it's Drew Goddard who was who did uh, Cabin in the Woods too. So sort of a similar reappraisal of a genre of movie. So what's our what are we doing for next week? Uh, well, let's see here. We rolled zero. We yeah. did. We rolled zero. So again, so as I was it's from 1973, 1980. Yeah. For me, it's a few months before I was born. It's the last week of January 1973, and the motion picture is the Irwin Allen disaster classic, The Poseidon Adventure, oh, featuring oh. Gene Hackman and Shelley Winters and a cast of stars. So uh, mine was 1988's Good Morning Vietnam, starring Robin Williams. I'm just saying because I've handled your underwear, and that would be really creepy. Why did you feel the need to mention that on air? Because I was just mentioning because I had your luggage. I was pulling your stuff out of the luggage. Spoilers, I do laundry around the house. Yeah, that's fine, but you don't need to be like, (laughs) Really? Is that how I sound? I mean, I've woken up and walked out to the kitchen and found pairs pairs of your underwear on the floor in the kitchen and being like, Josh, what the fuck? Why are your underwear in the kitchen? This is what happens when you live with people. You know, the, the guys on uh, My Brother, My Brother and Me, yeah. we're talking about how when you room with somebody, you have to in- accept the inevitability that you will eventually see them pooping. Or with my last roommate, the inevitability that you will find their dildo. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. That was particularly scarring. Well, you know, it'll happen. All right. I mean, so- it's not going to happen with me. See right now? It's hidden in a good place. <laughs> You're never going to find it. So um, next week, I guess you guys can look forward to hearing Josh Brandt even more about <laughs> about Robin Williams, as this is, in fact, the third Robin Williams movie. I know. I think we need to do a moratorium on Robin Williams. I think we need to just, if the computer tries to shove Patch Adams in my face, I will just say no. Okay. So let's go get a drink, and we'll come back and talk about the revival of a feature that we were doing middle of last year yep. called uh, Explain It To Me. We are reviving it in a slightly new form. So All right, we'll, that to look forward to. we'll see you in just a second. It's like Tennessee Williams dying choking on a bottle cap. What? You didn't know that? Does that have some sort of ironic thing? or? 
<laughs> that's actually true, or is that an urban no, legend? No, 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 it's true. I think, what's the story there? He uh, was trying to get a medicine bottle open and was, like, screwing it off with his mm-hmm. teeth, and then the cap yeah, of the medicine bottle went down into his throat. But I'm sure he was soused at the time, which is... I'm, I'm probably, gar- I'm but guessing a non-mitigating factor. Probably, but the point is, is that he choked to death on something ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Well, that's like the urban legend about Mama Cass, who did not, in fact, choke on a ham sandwich. No, I knew that, but hold on, I'm just gonna look this up while we're. Well, while you're looking that up, I wanted to thank some of the people who expressed their support for the show on Twitter and the internet, including Sarah from Twitter, FilmFan2006, whoever you are, who gave us a nice review on iTunes. Thank you. As always, we encourage those of you who listen to the show to give us an iTunes review. Send us an email also at pntcast at gmail.com. Visit us on the web at pntcast.wordpress.com. Kate manages the Tumblr, which is pntcast.tumblr.com. We're also on Facebook. Search for Prefer Not To on Facebook. It's an open group. You can join it. So you were, you were saying... All right, so uh, one, I think that Tennessee Williams could be played in a biopic by Timothy Dalton, just uh, judging yeah. on this brand. I think there have been road. several biopics about Tennessee Williams, though. Yeah. Okay, so reading from the Wikipedia page, uh, the medical examiner's report indicated he choked to death on the cap from a bottle of eye drops he frequently used, further indicating that his use of drugs and alcohol may have contributed to his death by suppressing his gag reflux. Yeah. So, point is, he choked to death on a bottle cap. Yeah, he was pretty much really drunk for the last 10 years or so of his life. Didn't, like, his boyfriend die or something, and then he was drunk for the rest of his life? I don't know. There's some craziness like that. Hey, we also need a nickname for people who uh, watch the show. Bartleby's. Scriveners. Scriveners. Oh, I like that better. Punters. I like either Bartleby's or Scriveners. I I prefer Scriveners. Scriveners? Scriveners. Okay, that'll be good. Hello, all you Scriveners out there. That's not Uh, pretentious, because the name of the show is already pretty pretentious. Well, I mean, but that's the whole point, is that they could be... Is being pretentious? No, 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 no. I'm saying the whole point is that we should hearken back to the name of the show. That is true. Or we could call them, what, preferees? Why are we saying punters? Because it's PNT. I I like Scrivener's. Scrivener's works pretty well. It takes a little bit of more of a... If you have a better idea for a name for the show, please send it to us. Oh, also, Superfan Amber... Your goodie bag is going out. You will have to share it with Superfan Dania, whose goodie bag, goodie was, bag was destroyed by FedEx Ground. I'm shaking my fist violently at you. I have the receipts. I can photocopy them for you. I promise I sent them. Yes. Oh, also, Amber asked us a question. What do we think the Paw Patrol cocktail would be? I haven't come up to... I haven't. I, I think it would have to be some kind of mojito. It would have to be something green and, you know, troll. Yeah. Aren't you putting labels on what a troll really means? Right. Who's the real troll? Um, to answer this, I don't know. I'm still thinking about it, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it would deal with absinthe, but then at the same time, I feel like it would be more mm-hmm. of a, like, blue collar, like, you know, like, um... It's true, like a boilermaker. yeah. Like, like be- beer whiskey. with, like, green in it. I, I don't know. So but also, still... he works for, he works at a toll booth, so maybe he wouldn't want anybody drinking and driving. Maybe it would, like, be like, some sort of non-alcoholic But thing. after a hard day at That's the toll true. booth, you would come... The, He's a hard The troll man. booth, if I may. You would come home and be like, oh, Su- or not Susie, but Mrs. I troll. trolled you to have my cocktail Mrs. waiting. Mrs. Troll, you'd be like, oh, well, where's my cocktail? And she would have it waiting with like a little apron on and like you know so i don't know but we're thinking about it i promise josh's idea of of the paw patrol cocktail is different from my own so these things will happen so we're going to be reviving a feature that we had in early episodes called explain it to me it's now going to be called explain us to me 
And the premise of the episode is, uh, because I am, as discussed before, stuck in a cultural subprime mortgage from which I cannot ex- uh, escape no matter how much culture I consume, <laughs> I require Kate to explain things in culture to me. We're going to take a look at the cover of Us magazine every week. Kate's mm-hmm. going to explain to me who the people are who I don't know. So, Kate, you got your picture from Us Magazine pulled yeah, up there? Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, this week is it's just a little strange to me because uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know how Well, there's to... a Bachelor on it. Right. That's that's the main thing, And which Bachelor is it? By the way, I've never seen an episode of The Bachelor. <laughs> ever. Any of them. Okay, well, I've never actually really watched the... I've not been that into The Bachelor either, but... Um, I, so, I've never actually like really watch The Bachelor or paid attention to it. Like I've flirted with other T V shows like um I've had, you know, Joe Millionaire was a favorite of mine back in the Ooh, day. Oh, I watched that one, too. <laughs> yeah, that, was exactly. a, that was like a... But see, that was like a brilliant Kaufman-esque prank. Yeah. That's why that show is wonderful. So, um, but I do read Us Weekly pretty frequently. So um, my best guess here is that this is the most recent Bachelor, or maybe a Bachelor from like two seconds ago. I don't know. Because the most recent Bachelor was one who was like a very self-avowed Christian who had never had sex, or he was like a born-again virgin or something like that. It's not really a Bachelor, then. And so so he couldn't, you know, have sex with any of the ladies in the house. And it was like a main point. Was that a thing? The Do they have show. sex on The Bachelor? Well, it's like any other dating show, like, you know, Rock of Love I don't, or... I don't, I don't, Did you not watch uh, Flavor Flav? Or... I have seen uh, bits of uh, I Love New York and uh, uh, Flavor of Love. But what I'm telling you is I don't... What do I need to know? Give me the, give me the, the five-minute summary of what I need to know about Bachelors, who they were, uh, who they are. Who the important? You know, it's like Kings of England. Hit the big, hit the big bachelors. Who All are right. Important. So this guy, this guy used to be uh, a bachelor on ABC's mm. The Bachelor. Um, that season is since off, and uh, now his ex girlfriends and random people from his life and clingers on are surfacing and saying like, what a what a dick bag he is, basically. Apparently, he has a baby mama, according to the magazine cover. You know, I haven't. I don't know. I I, I asked you when we started this, like, could I read up on the subject? And then that's why I sent them to you. Yeah, but I'm saying like, I actually don't know that much right. about this bachelor and so okay. basically it's so we're his exes are being right. all like okay. oh well he's shit what, this what? is the super christian one or is this the current one i don't know that's well, the yeah, issue this is your... apparently kim and kanye are trying for another baby so it that's says. been an issue but for a while now because mm-hmm. um there's been some rumors going on that they only had sex to have the baby is this North. like is this like a scientology thing no no, no. that there was like the issue that they're basically both involved in a power couple situation where they both know that you know they don't actually care for each other but they've joined together for the combined force of their superpower and they had the baby to kind of cement that okay so i have I've my knocks on kanye, i have my knocks on kanye because i think he's a crazy person but he's also has a legitimate talent what does she actually you, the she, combined power? She doesn't. I'm saying the point. The combined like tabloid power. Like she's so busy doing what that she can't have a baby. Like seriously, like what is she so busy doing no, the, that she can't have a baby? The the story that I read up on was the idea that they have never actually had sex except to try and conceive a baby. They're just together out of pure like oh, where we're going to be a power couple. Like you know, like Hillary Clinton. And Bill Clinton, I guess. I think Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton have had a lot of sex. I just don't think they do anymore because they're old people. I don't know. I'm just trying to tell you what I've read because before. Because Bill Clinton's is had like, like a quintuple bypass and he's worried he's going to die. It's like, uh, you know, like, oh, rumors. This couple has never had sex except for the one time it took them to have a baby. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Kim Kardashian is the type of person who gets married to further her career and therefore she has her a baby. Career as what? As a piece of shit. But I'm saying... Okay. 
and then her next step is going to be logically okay. to start a perfume line okay. or to well, have I'm a sure baby. She's already there. Okay. So now we got uh, why is Hillary Duff still on magazine covers? Like, is she doing things? And I like her. I think she's a talented person. Don't get me wrong. Well, uh, she just had a divorce. Who was she married to? Uh, some NHL player. Okay, he so was it was a, like a hockey player. So it was like a Candace Cameron type thing. Yeah, never mind. No, she was married to. I think his name was like Mike something. She uh, see, she dated one of the the brothers from Good Charlotte for a while, and then she started dating this NHL player, and then they got married, and they've been married for about like four years, I think. Oh, yeah. And they've had a baby together, and then and now that the baby's like two, they've gotten a divorce, and everybody says like, oh, it was it was you know it's just irreconcilable differences. Like we're all we're still. I friends. bet she was fucking Kanye. Blah 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 blah. Um, I don't know. So, I like Hillary Duff. I, I wish her well. I think I'm, she's a talented and smart person. Also, she's in a very funny episode of Community. So that's that's basically what I've okay. got for you. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm going to recognize that's Kerry Washington. That yeah. picture. That I'm going to see if I name these people. That's Sandra Bullock. Yeah. That's uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. I think that's Amy Poehler with a uh, with a thing across Amy her Poehler, face. Yeah. Okay. So I know those faces. I know Hillary Duff. I know Kim Kardashian. Although the fuck she does horribly. Too. Okay. Yeah. So it's really just this big guy. Also, what is with this um, like the hair that guys have these days with the crested dinosaur look, where it's like it's got a little product in it, but instead of like being parted once, it's parted like slightly parted twice, and then yeah. shit swooping toward the middle. Yeah, that's the uh, the I rolled out of bed. I'm trying not to look like I rolled out of bed. Right, but it's kind of clear. Like there's there's combing in it, so it's a clear. There's like two little parts, and it's it's almost like it's, an Ed Grimley no, thing. No, no, it's not coming. I guarantee you, this guy has right. gel. You put gel on right. your fingers, and then you just kind of flicks. No, it. but but it's like yeah, and it's like this. I get, he's doing one of these. Like he's doing a he's tenting his hands over no, his head. No, he's doing one of these. Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, explain us to me. I'm just I'm, I mean I I honestly I feel underprepared because I don't know that much about this particular bachelor but I guarantee you it's just basically like he couldn't end up with Krista here's the story why the ba- Rebecca explains all you know like random and, shit. and these are like normal humans on bachelor right they're not famous humans no they're they're norm- normal in the sense that they're like fame chasing whores but you know yeah Okay, let's see. So I mentioned the gift boxes. We're gonna get out to people. Oh, that's expl- you got anything you wanted to say? You never told us what was so sexy about your sexy dreams. Oh, except that you were having an orgy. No, I never. What? I never said orgy. Didn't you say that it was like a bunch of people and there was all like you we were, were all off like a, we were all like uh, Olympic like soldiers Hunger Games and shit. Yeah, we were like we're, in the we porn were, version of the Hunger Games. I never said porn version. I said we were all hanging out and we were like on teams for like this weird like Ender's Game Olympics kind of situation. That's all I said. I never said, oh, yeah, and then, you know, the, the commander of Avatar came up to me and blah, blah, blah. blah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. By the way, uh, for those of you following the we're going to watch the porn versions of the movies that we saw. <laughs> oh, we, dear God. We made it through about the first 40 minutes of the porn version of Avatar. It's like 40 minutes of ass fucking that start that movie. Yep. Yep. Not, 40 minutes. Not much plot involved. Like, I would think, like, honestly, I would think. I would have thought the porn movie would have been a tighter narrative <laughs> than than Avatar. Yeah, you would think. But honestly, it was a lot of ass fucking. A lot of ass fucking, and then you know what? He just pulls out and comes on her face. So well, that's stand that's standard operating procedure. Uh, I just find that very for um, porn, not for humans. I'm saying I find that very boring and kind of predictable. Like, why are you watching porn if you just want to see a guy like splooge on a girl's face? I think you're watching porn because you want to see a guy splooge on a girl's face. No, 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 but, like, all the build-up, like, you know, like the, oh, I'm going to do yeah, it you here, know, I'm going to do it here, and there's some boobs. I'm going to let you know a secret. I think there's a lot of fast-forwarding involved in a lot of porn consumption. <sighs> God. 
And, and I have, I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess, most, most porn movies are not consumed in one sitting. I don't know. I'm just saying it doesn't, like, you know, like, when it comes to romance novels or, like, romantic movies, it's like there's a build-up, but this is just like, uh, 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 spillage on your face. And it's just kind of like there's nothing, like, I'm not a babe in the woods. I've seen plenty of porn. I'm just saying that it's boring and dumb and not titillating at all. Sorry, men. I don't want to see a close-up of a guy putting his penis into a girl's vag repeatedly with no narrative plot. I mean, really, all I'm asking is for a little bit of narrative plot. God damn it. I'm going to regret this later. I'll edit around it. Okay, so as usual, since we don't have any letters to the editor, Amber, your letter about the, the, the drink doesn't count. We appreciate it, though. Though we do count, yeah, you are getting your game. As Amber, usual, you're number one. She's number two, because Dane, you're about Dane, to show yeah. her. We'll call him a power couple. You know, they were oh. practicing gang signs. PNT gang signs on New No, Year's they Eve. weren't. Yes, you saw the picture. It was on Twitter. No, you didn't show me that. Yeah, it was very cool. I was in Ireland. So we have no letters to the editor, so I have to read one. This is from the uh, Franklin County Times uh, in uh, Haleyville. I believe this is in Alabama or maybe Arkansas. I've embarrassingly forgotten. The title is, Appointments to see a dentist are nothing to worry about for anyone. We hear it every day from patients. I have always dreaded going to the dentist. Honestly, it's completely normal to be apprehensive at the dental office. It is a strange place. We get it. There are odd smells and sounds, and you have to trust people you barely know inside your personal space. All these things leave you feeling well outside your comfort zone. Fortunately, it doesn't have to be that way. There are several ways to decrease those anxious feelings you have about dental treatment. The easiest way is to simply become a regular patient. It isn't complicated. Just familiarize yourself and your family with the dental office. High-anxiety patients tend to only come to the dentist when they have a dental emergency. At that point, they're already uncomfortable and in a poor state of mind. Instead, make the regularly scheduled cleanings a part of your family's life. Gives you an opportunity to ease into a relationship with your dentist and staff with a non-stressful appointment. As a big incentive, having regular scheduled checkups means a lot less of those dental emergencies. Luckily, that isn't the only way we can help tame your anxieties. Most patients are familiar with nitrous oxide, or laughing gas. It's a great little bit of magic that makes the dentist office a much happier place. Unfortunately, a lot of movies have misportrayed the effects of nitrous oxide. It does not put you to sleep. It does not paralyze you. And unlike what you've seen on YouTube, the effects wear off in about five minutes. That means if your kid is acting goofy on the way home from the dentist, he's simply acting goofy. It's not the dentist's magic gas. What nitrous oxide does well is decrease your overall anxiety. It gives you an overall sense of well-being, happiness, and indifference. For the anxious dental patient, a few minutes of nitrous oxide may completely change their whole perspective on the dentist's office. Nitrous oxide is safe for just about any healthy, non-pregnant person who doesn't have glaucoma. As I mentioned, it wears off as soon as it's exhaled. The most common side effect is having a great dental experience. <laughs> Finally, for high-anxiety patients, patients that need all their dental treatment completed in one visit, or patients with more involved treatment, we can offer the option of being fully sedated. Sedation dentistry is really simple and easy for the patient. In our practice, we find that sedated patients always have a great experience. <laughs> Another great thing about it is that most of our patients that start out requiring sedation find out the dentist office is a lot less scary for their follow-up visits. 
And that's by Christopher D. Borden, DMD of Borden Dental in Haleyville. Okay. All right. So we want to move on to recommendations? No, I just I want to Besides nitrous oxide? A couple of things. Uh, one, uh, nitrous oxide was actually patented on my birthday. Really? Yep, on my claim to fame. Two... Yes. I'm struggling with a way to put this. Uh, they said that, you know, it only kind of like relaxes you, which is true. Um, I believe they said the most common side effect is a great experience. The only time I've had nitrous oxide was when I was getting my wisdom teeth pulled. Mm-hmm. And they used it on me while they were putting the needle for my mm-hmm. more serious anesthetic in me. And uh, the nurse was like, relax, you're not going to feel this. She put the mask on me and then she poked me with the needle. And I was like, holy shit, fuck you. I can feel that. And so there's that. Also, do that many people get nervous when they go to the dentist? I do. Uh, I mean, it's there's a certain fight or flight response when you have your mouth pried open and you right. can't speak and you have a bright light shining in your face. Right. And you're, you know, you're supine. It can be somewhat it doesn't, disconcerting. It, right. It's never struck me as particularly different than going to the doctor and like having to strip down and put on a little gown. I, don't I know. think the difference is that you can't speak. And you are held down. And again, the bright light in your face is... When I had my tooth extracted last year without being sedated, it was just with local. (laughs) It was, um, you know, it was a good 20 minutes of two guys prying shit out of my mouth. And then I went to the dentist. Yeah. I just, um, I've never... So I went through this experience in high school where I had like uh, five cavities in my mouth at once. Mm -hmm. So we had to kind of like gradually take care of them yeah i know we had to gradually take care of them like bit by bit and uh, eventually i kind of found going to the dentist i didn't mean that that was really mean i don't it's not don't ever call a girl a slut that's not cool it's okay Um, i mean unless it's in bed and that's like something she's really into uh well okay going back to my teeth um uh it after the first appointment it became kind of like a point of relaxation for me like i would mm-hmm. go to the dentist getting called a slut at, no getting my teeth worked on i don't know why i'm just saying like i would go to the dentist and i'd like you know sit there and then they would work on my teeth and it was like a relaxing period like people were like how can you do this and i would leave the dentist's office with like my mouth half mummed mummed half numbed or whatever but it would be like were they giving you valium because you know that helps a lot no novocaine but i'm saying like it gave me an opportunity for like half an hour or an hour mm-hmm. just to sit there and think and stare at the ceiling while mm-hmm. people not operated on my teeth. There you go. I don't know. You want to move on to recommendations? Is that weird? That's weird, right? Uh, I don't like it, but you know, I don't like being in taxi cabs or airplanes. So my, my anxiety uh, meter is. I do want to point out that my dentist has known me since before I was born. Like literally. Like, like the Lord. No, I mean, I'm like literally like a... Did your dentist weave you together in your mother's womb? Uh, no, but my dentist did hang... He, he, they were friends with my mother, and he he did meet my mother like while she was pregnant with me. Okay. And so I was like, hey, and I'm going to see your child later when she grows teeth and stuff. And Wow, that's, that's weird. He okay. didn't say that. I'm just saying like... It, 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 that's it's, just conjuring up images of like intrauterine you know dental what? It's work. the same reason I go to the, the pharmacist that I go to is because I've been going to him for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's the same reason I go to or a neurologist who lives an hour and a half away. It's, you mm. know, it's the same reason I go to a, a dentist who lives there an hour and a half away. He okay. no Let's do our recommendations because we got to get it in. your gotta, face. Well, we got to get it in under an hour, like I told no. the people. You want to go first? For recommendations? Mm-hmm. What are you recommending? Why don't you wait and see? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I gave you a warning that we were doing this show. 
So my recommendation for the week is Justified. It's a modern western set in Kentucky. It stars Timothy Oliphant as a rebellious U.S. Marshal who's given a post in his home state of Kentucky after he's involved in a less-than-by-the-book shooting in Miami. It's based on uh, several Elmore Leonard novels. Uh, Josh can speak more to that than I can. I can. So. Uh, it's a short story, and then there's Pronto and Writing the Rap. Yeah, so there's a couple of novels that he's involved in. Um, it's a great TV show. It's, it's a good gateway very, to Elmore Leonard if you're not familiar with him. It's tonally very much like his stuff. It's very cute. It's very tight. Um, I did want to say that I might only like the show because it involves Timothy Oliphant. I don't think that's true because it's got handsome. a lot of great character actor performance. It does. You know, it's good stuff. I also, I just wanted to go ahead and uh, reserve the right to take back my recommendation on this show. If, in fact, it turns out to be crazy. Kind of like, you know, I, I recommended our third show or fourth show, something like that. Uh, Hell on Wheels, which mm-hmm. I kind of regret now after watching the rest of oh, Hell right, on Wheels. Oh, right. You did recommend that, didn't you? Right. And it was just... it seems like forever ago. Right. So I just, I just want to point out that I'm You were just I'm having only... a common thing at the time. No, I was having an Anson Mount thing at the time. Hey, Anson Mount. <laughs> I just want to point out the fact that, or not point out the fact, I want to reserve the right that mm-hmm. I've only watched a season of this show, and there's been a ton of shows out there where they have a great first season, and then afterwards they just kind of spiral down into mediocrity. That's very alias. So, I don't know. I'm going to say Justified. It's great. Okay. Yeah, I've Amazon been watching Prime. it. I'm having fun. Yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. So go Josh. Get it. Well, you know, the movie that you had, Cloverfield, was from 2008, so I was going to pick another movie from 2008, which is a movie that I really, really love. That is one of my favorite movies. It is not an easy movie, and it's a movie that frustrates and irritates a lot of people, especially people who don't like Charlie Kaufman. It is 2008's Synecdoche, New York. <sighs> it is a movie that I think is brilliant. It tells sort of the story of a guy who is attempting to make a play about his own life. And it is one of these hugely ambitious movies that hits on a lot of the big topics, like what is life about? How do you tell the story of a life? How does a story about one man's life become a story about everyone's life? How are we all similar? How are we different? And it's brilliant. And I love it. And I think it's pretty near perfect. If you like things that are not traditional narratives, that are a little bit strange, and that are not on their face obvious what they're about, a little bit of ambiguity. I highly recommend it. It's Charlie Kaufman to the nth degree with a lot of David Lynch type stuff thrown in there too. So great performances by Philip Seymour Hoffman and the whole darn cast. So where do I begin (laughs) to tell the story of how great a love can be? Really? That's we went from that to love story? Well you went to How do you tell a story, right? But it really is. It is about both Uh, Trying to understand what life is about and then how do you tell people what life is about and how do you tell people what your life is about and make it representative. It's it's it, you know, it aims for the stars. So it is a very big, important, big thought movie. Is that Andy Williams song? Is that from Love Story? Mm -hmm. Where do I begin? Yeah, that's not from Love Story. Yes. Oh, damn. I I like it a lot less now. I'm just saying. Okay. What you, is it? Is it Ally McGraw or Ryan O'Neill? You don't like? I just think that movie is terrible. And you know what we gotta do? We gotta what? go watch the kid stays in the picture. I'm gonna recommend that next week. Okay. Okay. You heard it here, folks. You have to do it in the Robert Evans voice. Am I gonna recommend it? You bet your ass. <laughs> so that's the end of our show. No, we really enjoyed spending. Boy, you got soused during this one. 
We really enjoyed spending time with you as always. I, uh, and enjoyed time, spending time with Kate. So uh-huh. thanks. We hope we see you again next week. Remember iTunes. Go visit yep. us. Write us a little review. Why so, not? Uh, for Kate, I'm Josh. For Josh, I'm maybe Kate? Mm-hmm. I don't know. And we'll see you again next time. Okay, thank you for listening. I'm doing the music. I know. I can tell. Could you open the door?